0: name of the father and the son and the holy spirit one god amen my beloved today the church reads for us a very familiar passage of the story of Zacchaeus we all know and heard many times from when we were uh, very young and the story is a a powerful transformation of a man who was a tax collector and his transformation and restoration as we know the tax collectors were rejected among the jews because number one They took taxes and they took more than what was required, so they were considered thieves. And number two, they were considered like allies with the Romans, which were the ones holding them in bondage, so they were like traitors. So they were very despised among uh, the Jews um, and uh, rejected. Uh, But after the Lord had met with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus welcomed him into his house, we see Zacchaeus' repentance, how Uh, he repented to the Lord, he gave half his money to the poor and restored fourfold to those whom he cheated. Uh, And he was worthy to hear the words of the Lord saying, Today salvation has come to this house. Um, The work that Zacchaeus did, this work of repentance by restoring fourfold and giving half his money to the poor, this was an action of repentance. It was an action of repentance, showing his regret and remorse for the way that he lived before so this was the showing this act of repentance, this turning Godward, towards God. All of us, my beloved, desire to hear the same words one day that Zacchaeus heard. Today salvation has come to this house. This is something we would all want to hear, especially on the last day. When we stand before him, he says, Today salvation has come to you and to all of your household. This so is all of the what we want to hear. This is why we're here uh today. I'd like to speak a little bit this morning about the means for forgiveness and restoration. But before we speak about the means of forgiveness and restoration, it's important to understand what is sin and what is forgiveness. And then we'll speak briefly about what are the means of forgiveness. What is sin? If you remember when God created man, it says what that He created him in His image and after His likeness. The Trinity said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, So God created man in his image, and in his image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created in humanity. His original status was the image and likeness of God. Why? So he can have communion with God. So in our original and pure nature, we were created to have this communion and intimate relationship with God. But of course, as we know, when we sinned, this pure nature was corrupted by sin. It was corrupted. So we can say it was a loss of status of communion with God. And what does God call this loss of status? What did he call it? He says, In the day that you shall eat of this or this fruit, you shall surely what? Die. So he considered that this loss of status of communion with God was death. Did Adam and Eve physically die? No, they continued to live. Ultimately, they did die. But God said, when you day of you eat it, you will surely die. And we saw the day that they ate it, there was now a barrier between them and God. The communion that was between them was broken. This, my beloved, is ultimately what sin is. Sin is, number one, a falling from grace. This grace that we had with communion with God, this is sin. Where this grace is broke, or this barrier is, uh, or this communion is broken. The Lord Christ also says about sin that it is a debt. It's a debt. As we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, who are debtors. And, of course, we, uh, in some translations, they say trespasses. But what is a debt? A debt is simply not a breaking of a command. And it's a sin is not like getting a ticket. Sometimes we think this. We think get, uh, committing a sin is like I just get a ticket, and if I get a speeding ticket, I just go and pay it off. So we say to ourselves, you know what? I'll just go ahead and commit this sin and then I'll go and confess it to Buna. And like confessing to Abuna is like going to pay the ticket. We think of sin as this item that we do that's just held against us and if somehow we can pay it off, then we're good. But this is not a debt. A debt is actually losing what I have received. Losing what I have received. For example, when we go and we want to borrow money from the bank and you take out a loan, the money that you borrowed from the bank When does this become debt? When you can't pay it back. When you lost the money that you borrowed, this is when this becomes debt. But if you take the money and borrow it from the bank and give it back, it's no no debt. But the debt is incurred when I can no longer pay it back. So it's a loss of what I have received. And again, if we look at sin, it's a debt because it's a loss uh, of the status of communion with God that we have received. We can't pay this uh, back. It's losing what I have received. And also sin, in its literal translation, means missing the mark. So if our mark, original standard, was to be in communion with God, and after the fall of man, could we ever come into communion on our own again? No, we'll always miss the mark, because our nature has been corrupted by sin, right? So this is what sin is. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the release of that debt, is the release of that debt. And we said the debt was losing what I received. So in essence, forgiveness is the process of restoring our union and communion with God. And mind you, from God's perspective, this is always open and it's always free. Look what uh, St. John the Beloved says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us. So it's a free gift. Our forgiveness is free. But um, there are things that we ought to do to uh, gain access to this forgiveness. And this is what I'll briefly speak about this morning. What are the means to our forgiveness? And when we look at these uh, few things that I'm going to mention here, I don't want to, you to look at it as I just need one of them. No. Actually, we should try to do all of them. All of them. Because they're means of our forgiveness and a means of our restoration and restoring that communion between God and myself once again. The first one, of course, that we uh know is baptism. It says in Mark chapter 1 that John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So the original understanding of baptism was this remission of sins. And actually this is what we do in the tradition of the church. Before we anoint the, the, the catechumen or the person who wants to be baptized with the oil of the merun, which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we baptize them first in the baptismal font, which is this forgiveness of sins, where they take off the old man and they put on the new man. And if you pay attention, if you attended any baptism, what happens to the child or to the adult is that they face the West and they reject Satan and all his evil works, and they turn around and face the East and accept Christ and uh, his communion with him. So it's rejecting of the enemy of Satan and accepting of the Lord Christ, turning from one direction and turning towards the other. So it's putting off the old and putting on the new. And this is one of the means that we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Another one, and perhaps one that um, uh, those of us who are here haven't experienced, um, but maybe one day, who knows, is accepting martyrdom. Accepting martyrdom. Look what the Lord says in Matthew 16. He says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Taking up the cross is the burden of being a Christian. Okay. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But what does he say? But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Will find life. Right? Find life with him. If we physically die with him, then we receive the forgiveness of our sins. How many times have we heard in the Synexarium of maybe somebody who was a non-believer who witnessed the believers being martyred? And because of their great faith and because of the work of God and these saints, they themselves believed and they were killed on the spot. But they they were never baptized or anything. But they literally died with Christ. Isn't this what baptism is? Baptism is a dying with Christ and raising up again. And this is like we do, but we don't physically die. But we are buried with Him and raised with Him and share in His death on the cross. But when we are martyred or when somebody is martyred, then they physically and literally die with Christ. Look what, again, the Lord says. He says, greater love has no one than this than to lay one's down, one's life down, or one's life, uh, for his friend. So again, it shows this great love for the Lord, right? So accepting martyrdom is another way that we receive the forgiveness of our sins. Also, almsgiving and charity. Look what the Lord says. But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. So it's a way of our purification, is giving of alms. An even more powerful verse comes from the story of Tobit. In Tobit chapter 4, verse 11, when Tobit is speaking with his son, thinking that he's going to die, and he's kind of giving him his last words, he gives him some advice about you know, how to live his life, and to live a God-fearing life, and to take care of his mother, and then he gives them this piece of advice. He says to him, For almsgiving liberates from every sin and from death, and will not suffer the soul to go into darkness. So giving of alms or charity liberates one from sin. How is this? It's because if you think about every sin is selfish. It's all about me. I want to take. But what happens when we give charity? We put other people's needs before myself. So we come out of ourselves. So just this practicing of coming out of oneself liberates one from sin. So the third way we receive forgiveness of sin is by doing uh, charitable deeds and giving of alms, coming out of oneself. The fourth way is by forgiving. Forgiving. The Lord says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So he made this as a condition that if you want forgiveness, you must offer forgiveness. And if you think about it from God's perspective and those who are parents perhaps understand exactly what I mean. What more do we want in life and perhaps the most valuable thing we want in life is for our children to get along. The thing that makes it so, so the most painful thing for a parent is to see their children fighting with one another. And it's That really fighting and having this animosity for many years this is the most painful thing for a parent Right. so imagine if God says okay you're asking as a child of God you're asking for forgiveness so God says "Okay, forgive your brother and I will give you all the forgiveness you want why Lord? because I want to see you in communion with each other if you desire forgiveness to have communion with me but you can't have communion with the people that you live among I need this first I need you to live in communion with one another so you can live in communion with me. And this is what the Lord taught us. When the disciples asked him how to pray, he told them, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. And he continues and says, And forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. So we're telling God, And the same amount that I forgive, also forgive me. But what if my forgiveness is missing. Then I'm actually asking God to forgive me minus a little bit. Or hold my forgiveness just a little bit. Sometimes we don't realize what we're praying, but this is exactly what we're praying. So the fourth way we receive forgiveness is by forgiving one another. The fifth way is by restoring a sinner. The Lord said, or St. James uh, says, says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So when we see somebody going astray and we turn him back from this, we save ourselves and we save them and we cover a multitude of my own sins. But if You know what happens now on social media and among perhaps some of the friends? It's the exact opposite. We see somebody going astray and we applaud them, celebrate them, and enjoy in their, you know, uh strayness or them going astray. This ought not to be the case with us. So not to be the case. When we see our brother and sister doing something that they ought not to be, or something that will lead to their harm or hurt or their straying, we shouldn't rejoice in this. We should bring them back. Simply maybe for many reasons because we love them, but one among them, That when I do this, I receive forgiveness of my sins as well. This was the fifth one. Restoring a sinner. Number six is the plentiful love. If you remember the passage where the Lord entered into Simon the Pharisee's house, and then Simon, and then the woman came, who was a sinner, and washed his feet with her uh, hair and her tears, and then Simon the Pharisee looked at the Lord and, and said, you know, if this man was a prophet, he would know who and what man or woman this is who is touching him. Then the Lord set you know, an example about somebody owing 550 denarii. And then he judged the man by his own words. He judged Simon by his own words. But then he turned to the woman and he told Simon, he said uh, to him, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. When we love plentifully or when we love much, This is a means of our forgiveness of our sins. How did this woman display her love? She displayed her love by being vulnerable in front of the Lord. I'm willing to put myself in a vulnerable position among all of these people who despise me and hate me to come and to offer repentance and uh, beg for forgiveness. And she did this. And when she left this meeting, the people saw her the same. They still despised her. But again what did she hear from the lord saying your sins are forgiven go in peace and she left she left forgiven she left healed why ultimately because she loved much she loved much saint peter echoes the same sentiment when he says and above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins love will cover a multitude of sins if we say my beloved that god is love when we love we are moving in communion with God. We're moving Godward. So this naturally makes sense. The more we love one another, the more we love God, the sin in our life will dissipate and and, and decrease naturally. Another means by which we receive forgiveness of sins is partaking of the Eucharist. Again, the Lord said to His disciples and His disciples alone at this time, this was uh, during Covenant Thursday, He was sitting with His disciples, it said, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And this is what we say in the Divine Liturgy. Given for the remission of sins and eternal life to those who partake of him. So we receive the forgiveness of sins when we come and partake of the Eucharist. My beloved, if we um, desire this communion with god it must include partaking of the eucharist it must include this and if it's been many months or many years since i've partaken the eucharist we need to sit with our father of confession and say why is it that i haven't been able to take communion offer repentance partake of the eucharist this is how we restore this communion with god is by partaking of the mysteries if you look even during the the difficult ages in the Church. Um, even, you know, uh, we recently remember during COVID when the churches were closed and how painful that was for us. Why? Because the Eucharist is our lifeblood. This is our spirit, the life, the, the blood of our life with God and our communion with God. And there are times in church history which weren't the best. But what kept the church alive and thriving was the Eucharist. This is our life, my beloved. If I haven't taken of the Eucharist. For some time, I need to ask myself really why it is that I haven't taken of the Eucharist and consider changing my life um, so that I can uh, partake of this. The last and final, of course, and I'll leave this to last, is the confession before a priest. Again, when the Lord spoke with His disciples uh, after the resurrection in the upper room, He told them this. He says, And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The practice of confessing our sins before uh, a priest is one that dates back, you know, to the early centuries of Christianity, um, and is something really that is unique in the Orthodox Church and, in some degree, in the Catholic Church, where we confess our sins, you know, to a priest. Receive guidance and receive healing uh, from the hand of the priest and, and advice and how to navigate the spiritual uh, battles. So confession before the priest is also the means by which we receive forgiveness. We said, my beloved, that sin is falling from grace. And sin is a debt, not a debt that like a ticket, but a debt that is losing what I have received, losing the status of communion with God of what I have received. It's also missing the mark. Ultimately it's the separation between me and God. Forgiveness is the release of this debt or the restoring of this communion back between myself and God. And we said there are many means by which we receive this or restore this communion with God. We said it was through baptism, through accepting martyrdom for those whom it has been chosen, alms giving or charity, forgiving one another, restoring somebody who has lost back to the faith, loving plentifully, um, partaking of the Eucharist and confessing before the priest. And when we do this, when we look at the story of Zacchaeus and we see when he gave half of his goods to the poor, this was an act of charity. It's a movement Godward in his repentance saying, God, I want to be reconciled with you. And then those whom he cheated, he gave fourfold. He restored to everyone that he's cheated as an apology to them and restoring to them that which is rightfully theirs. So he's left with nothing except to, except Christ alone. And then he was willing to hear or he's worthy to hear the words of the Lord. Salvation has come to this house, uh, to this household. I pray that this is the words that we all hear when we face the Lord. Today salvation has come to this house and to your, uh, all your generations. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.